this is Kara Foster, Senior Minister of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky. You're listening to our sermon podcast. You can connect with us at firstchristianmadisonville.org or join us in person at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at 10.30 College Drive in beautiful Madisonville, Kentucky. I hope you'll subscribe. Thanks. Good morning. I've been lifting up stories of courage and faith through the Old Testament these last few weeks. I've talked about David knocking down Goliath, Esther saving her people. I've talked about Moses standing up to Pharaoh, let my people go. But today I'm going to talk about Moses too, but really this is more about the women who saved Moses' life. When our story takes place today in the second chapter of the book of Exodus, Pharaoh has come to see the Hebrew people as a threat. It's a story as old as time. He begins to panic that their population is going to grow and that maybe one day soon they would be more powerful. Perhaps they would join up with Egypt's enemies and fight against them. This, of course, is uh, his own petty fears as a politician. If you can make people afraid of a common enemy, that's how you unite them, right? This is what Pharaoh does. He decides that the Hebrew people are a threat, and if they aren't a threat now, then they will be one day, and he needs to get rid of them. Writer Anne Lamont has this wonderful quote that she says, You can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. Pharaoh hates the Israelites. There are plenty of examples of this throughout history of powerful leaders doing exactly what Pharaoh does. Of course, what comes to mind, I think, of Hitler and the Nazi regime in Germany. First, step one, control them. Pharaoh decides he's going to enslave the people and make them work. Second, get rid of them. Genocide. Pharaoh wants all the male newborns killed. First, he tries by telling the Hebrew midwives that when a male child is born that they should kill him immediately. But the Hebrew midwives lie to Pharaoh and say, look, we would follow your orders, but these women are just giving birth too quickly. We can't get there in time. What can you do? So then he spreads his orders further, and he just says, anyone, any Egyptian sees a Hebrew male child should be killed. And it is right into the midst of this fearful, scary time that Moses is born. And I'm going to begin reading in Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. It says, now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and while her attendants walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. 
And when she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying. She took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. And when the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. I love this story. I have loved this story from my early Sunday school days. Don't you remember learning about this story? Moses' mother puts him in a basket and sends him down the river. In Exodus 6, we learn that Moses' mother, the Levite woman, has a name. She's called Jochebed. Now, this is probably, probably the one and only time I will ever actually say that I think the King James Version has said it better. But this is, this is an example that I think the King James translation has it right. In the King James, it says she put him in an ark and sent him down the river. As it's the same word as in Noah's ark, that boat that kept the people safe from God. She puts her child in an ark and sends him down the river. This incredible thing, this selfless act, it's what mothers do. It's what mothers do, love. She disobeys Pharaoh's orders. She hides her son for three months. Imagine the fear, the fear of wondering if he could cry, fears for his safety, fears of being discovered. And finally, when she decides that she can protect him no more, she makes an ark for him and puts him in the river. Big sister, probably strategically placed to watch what happens, sees that it is Pharaoh's daughter who discovers him. They pull him out of the river, and she knows that this is probably a Hebrew child. And she defies her own father, to raise him as her son. You know, I've called this series, Take Courage. And one of the reminders that I think we see again and again and again in these different Old Testament stories is that we see that God works for good out of some terrible situations. We see God use unlikely heroes like Moses, who questioned if he was the right leader for God to use to free the Hebrew people. We see a boy, a kid, David, uh, take down the giant. We see Queen Esther, who had no power and no authority, risk her own life to save people. In today's story, who is Pharaoh actually threatened by? It's the males. It's those baby boys that'll one day grow up to maybe become soldiers who would fight against the Egyptians. And the ironic part of this story is that it's the women, the ones he, aren't, he isn't scared of, that risk and have such great courage to save Moses, who would be the one to free the people. Each of these women do a brave thing. First, we have the Hebrew midwives 
who um, defy Pharaoh by lying and saying they just can't get to these babies in time. Then we have uh, Moses' birth mother, the Levite woman, Jochebed, who, who protects her son. She hides him, and when she can't hide him any longer, she sends the baby down the river. We have Pharaoh's daughter, who knew good and well this was a Hebrew child, and she refuses her own father's orders to defy him and to love him and raise him as her son. Each woman did one small, brave thing. Actually, not so small things. They had such great courage. It reminds me of the butterfly effect in the most simplest form. You've probably heard of it. It's the idea that a butterfly flapping its wings in Mexico can impact the weather here in Western Kentucky. It's the sense of interconnectedness that these small little things, decisions, ripple together like waves to become bigger and greater things. All of these women in this story show courage. They did what they had the power to do. They couldn't fix the situation, but God used each of their brave choices to save Moses, who would be the one to bring them to freedom. It's a reminder to all of us, big and small, young, not so young, online, on the radio, here in this room, all of us, that God can use your life. God can use your life. Maybe you decide to be the adult for a youth that you needed when you were a kid. Maybe it's hearing a word of hope in the midst of dark nights that keep you holding on. You know, I remember a woman telling me about being in the hospital. She had, was about to have her second brain tumor surgery. She had had uh, a brain tumor when she was in high school and had surgery and they had discovered it was growing again and when she was in college and she had to leave school to have this second same surgery again. And it was the night before her surgery, shaved head, dreading what was about to happen the next day. And this woman, now decades after this surgery, that was ultimately successful, told me about a conversation that she can still recall almost word for word, a hospital chaplain that came into her room the night before her surgery and offered her a word of hope. She was terrified. And he offered her a word of hope that she still remembers. You never know. Never know what word you might say to someone that might keep them holding on. You don't know what action you might do, big or small, that might make someone remember it with joy decades down the road. The words we say, the actions we do, they make a difference. God can use your life. God can use your life, not you, perfect you, not you with your act together, not you, Instagram worthy you, but you as is work in progress, God can use your life. And here today, we're going to get to watch a baptism in a little bit as we watch someone 
choose to let God use their life, to make this decision to follow Jesus with their whole heart by stepping into the waters of faith, to claim his saving grace in her own life. It's a reminder for all of us, all of us who've already stepped into those waters and those yet to come, that we have an opportunity as we watch this to remember who we are, who we're called to be in the world. Like our story reminds us today, we are all called, even in times of fear and uncertainty, to show courage. And today is Pentecost, a day when we celebrate the birth of the church and the spirit at work, and what joy it is for all of us to witness God at work in Riley's life today. But before I close, I want to say one final word about Moses' mother and the ark she made for him. Of course, I can't begin to describe her pain to let go of her child, this son that she loved with every breath in the hopes that he might be saved. And when she put that ark in the river, she didn't know what would happen. She didn't know what was going to happen down the road. She didn't know there was going to be a happy ending. She couldn't yet see or know, but she chose to trust she dared to trust in what she couldn't yet see or know before the happy ending. She put her baby in the river. You know, I've mentioned this to you all another time before, but I've always thought this experience in my own life was probably some sign of my inner reality of trust or trust issues. But when I was in high school, uh, outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee, I did a, a hang gliding training course session. There is absolutely zero desire in my heart to actually hang glide, but um, with a little money at this organization, you could take their little intro class and it ended by you going up on a mountainside and jumping off a cliff with a glider that was attached to a big cable and a big long cable to the ground. It was how hang gliders learn to actually hang glide. So I thought this is gonna be all the fun of hang gliding without any of the risk of impending death. So I was all in and I thought this would be great and I listened to everything they gave me and you go up to the top of the mountain and they count down and you're supposed to run off with your glider into wild abandon. Everybody, I was gracious enough to let everybody go ahead of me. And uh, by the time it was my turn, uh, the countdown happened, they let the release go. And what actually happened was me trying to stay put and the weight and gravity of the glider dragging me off. I literally had my eyes closed. I didn't even want to see, and it was not a pretty picture, and I mean this literally. It was not a pretty picture, because they took my picture. <laughs> and as much as I hate to admit it, life keeps taking us to places we don't want to go. There will be moments in our lives where we are terrified because we don't know how it's going to turn out. Will the kids be okay? Will our marriage heal? Will we get the job or the house? Will the treatments work? Will I survive this grief? 
we don't get to write the ending of the story. And sometimes the unknown of not knowing what's around the corner is enough to make you want to just stand put right where you are, desperately trying to just hold on. So I mentioned Jochebed, the Levite woman, to you today because you know what? She did everything she could for as long as she could. And at some point, she decided to let go and trust. Trust without knowing how it all would turn out. She couldn't fix it. She couldn't control it. She decided to let go and dared to trust that God would make a way. Sometimes faith really is letting go and trusting that God is at work in the most difficult of situations. Even when you can't yet see it. Even if you're not even sure some days you believe it. We call that faith. And it takes courage. Amen.